You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael, Managing Editor of Crypto for Bloomberg News. And this is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily Bloomberg iHeart podcast. It's Thursday, March 16th. Last year, just before the crypto winter had hit in earnest, Princeton University opened up the Center for the Decentralization of Power Through Blockchain Technology. I know that's a mouthful, so I'll say it again. The Center for the Decentralization of Power Through Blockchain Technology. An ambitious name for an ambitious program, funded in part by a $20 million gift from prominent Princeton alumni, including Mike Novogratz, CEO of Galaxy, and Joe Lubin, co-founder of the Ethereum blockchain. The university said that the center will focus on software engineering that makes blockchain technology work, on new and innovative ideas and uses for a decentralized system, and of course, how any and all of this might affect our collective future. One year on, as the crypto winter persists, I wanted to know, what's the center been up to these days? Here to discuss what's happening in Princeton and the broader role that universities are playing in studying blockchain technology is Bloomberg reporter Francesca Maglione. Francesca, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Now, perhaps when you got started as a higher education reporter, you weren't expecting to have to talk about crypto. Yeah. <laughs> crypto has that effect on other beats, which is like it just shows up in places. I'm like, ta-da, you're a crypto reporter now. When you started reporting on this Princeton University Center, like, what did you find and was any of it surprising to you? I was revisiting a story that we wrote last year about when the center started. And I was just curious, you know, they started in March of last year before all of the crypto drama uh, kind of started. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was just curious to see, you know, what the center had to say, what the donors had to say and how they were thinking of developing the center. And I was surprised because when I spoke to both of the directors, they both said that if anything, kind of the FTX drama and everything that came with that and the crypto winter kind of reinforced the need for this kind of center and for academia to kind of take a step into the crypto world and kind of try and provide as neutral as a voice as possible. There's going to be a lot of people who are like, academia is not neutral. We acknowledge that there are lots of opinions in academia. That's fine. But 
when I look at your story, one of the things that you said, you know, citing Princeton's dean of engineering is that, quote, it's essential for universities to play a major role in the technology development, use cases and societal and ethical implications of blockchain and to harness its powers for good. Like, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what are they doing day to day? Yeah. So one of the things that they did, for example, in November, they had this event with about like 60 people, including, I think, the four donors and some people that worked for the CFTC and regulators. And basically what the the goal of this event was to discuss as academics do bigger ideas, bigger mm-hmm. picture questions. And one of the directors said that the, the goal is to kind of establish a list of questions that the center aims to tackle. They want to focus on three different things. Applications of blockchain, mm-hmm. so technology and the ethical implications. And Princeton believes that as a university that has both that access to technology, but also the access to these intellectuals that study ethics and look at, you know, what does this mean once it gets implemented and Mm -hmm. thinks about other things besides just, you know, the money, the crypto aspect of it, but more like real life applications. They think that they're positioned kind of in a unique way to break through what they both described as the hype Mm -hmm. that obviously we saw a lot of last year and establish more of an academic, institutional look into, you know, what what can actually be possible with, with this technology. Now, one of the folks quoted in the piece, who is also one of the people who helped donate $20 million, was Mike Novogratz. And his comment was that he appreciated that academics have, to your point, a kind of a longer term view, which is definitely what you would say when the crypto market has had such a tough time in the past 12 months. But is this a center where, you know, if you are studying at Princeton, you take classes there? Is it a center that's like publishing research? What are some of their contributions so far? Yeah, so they are working on, I think they have several research projects going on. They're working to hire someone like a faculty member as part of the center. Mm -hmm. And as part of the donation, there was also an endowed professorship, which is JP, one of the directors. And he teaches, um, I think there's several classes in crypto. It started with one, and now I think there's about three um, classes that they offer. And I think that the goal of the center is to eventually embark on different kinds of research projects. Uh, They're still kind of working on that. I think they're still trying to formulate exactly what those projects will look like. Mm -hmm. But I think their goal is to do research with students, with faculty, kind of host these events, important people in the space, and also at one point, they also spoke about partnering with blockchain startups and companies in order to support them and have their students kind of interact with these companies and, and look at blockchain that way, too. Yeah. Now, you also spoke to, when when you were doing the initial reporting for the story, Christian Catalini, who in his current incarnation is an academic and researcher at MIT, the Sloan School, in a previous life was the co-creator of a type of crypto token called DM, which we could do a whole episode about what happened to DM. But what did Christian say with his academic hat on about the idea that this volatility has been good for research? Christian has been involved in a lot of written white paper on a lot of crypto issues and blockchain issues. What all of them said is I think that this kind of 
hype or volatility creates a space for intellectuals to kind of step in mm-hmm. and and really like I said before kind of break through what's true what's not what's hype what's not which for me makes sense that academics would kind of step into the space when other people are pushing back because the shiny mm-hmm. things are are kind of going away it, it seems like not nerdy, but like no. <laughs> hey, this it is a, this is an extremely nerd-friendly podcast. <laughs> so no need to describe something as not nerdy here. We put in a call to Christian and asked him about declining campus interest in crypto and blockchain. Christian said there's a natural response to what's happening in the broader crypto ecosystem. Students are very attuned to what's happening in society. I wouldn't be surprised if right now there's a massive influx you know, on classes that deal with AI. I think it's normal. To be honest, a little bit like we've seen with entrepreneurs, quality over quantity. You'd want students that go into blockchain classes that really have a deep passion or understanding of the topic or really care about some of its potential uh, ramifications. It's not about the number of students. It's more about can we can we really train the ones that should know about this the most uh, in the best possible way. We've been running an online class, for example, uh, for executives and others for many, many years. And it's, it is really true that depending on, on boom and bust cycles, applications, uh, you know, skyrocket and then drop back down. But I, I think that's all natural. And Universities should be somewhat detached from uh, what's happening in the market. And to some extent, if there's a really good reason in computer science, in economics, to talk about these systems in class, that should, should be a little bit more isolated to what's happening day to day when you see you know, the different news cycles play out. Up next, more from Bloomberg reporter Francesca Maglione on how the universities are embracing or studying blockchain technology. We'll be right back. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. In terms of higher education more broadly, so obviously MIT has its own crypto center. There's this Princeton Center. Are there other institutes of learning, as it were, that have some kind of focus on blockchain and crypto that you've encountered? Yeah, I also spoke to Richard Lyons at Berkeley. I think Berkeley has been one of the schools that has been very active. They have, I think, a lot of classes on crypto and they also have some focus on startups and Mm -hmm. things like that. But yeah, I think from... 
from at least Princeton's perspective, it seems like when the center started last year, mm -hmm. there was a lot of interest from students to take these kinds of classes. JP told me that he uh, opened a class and in 90 seconds, the class was completely full <laughs> last year. Um, Are those students or bots? Like, how's this happening so fast? Yeah. <laughs> and by JP, you mean? Jaswinder Pulsing, one of the directors of the center. And he told me that this is just when it was open to seniors. I graduated two years ago. I know exactly the feeling of clicking on the button really fast when you want to sign up for a class. I, when I asked him what the case was this year, he told me that it wasn't the case at all. I mean, they have more classes now. He did mention that. But he did say that the energy is, mm -hmm. is not the same, has definitely been tainted. Again, from an academic's perspective, he talked about how For him, the importance of blockchain has nothing to do with money, has nothing to do with all of these crazy speculative guess, elements. Yeah, or yeah, exactly. Or returns or everything that we were seeing last year. So he was like, I really want my students that care about the technology, that think, what can this bring to a developing country that has a really bad economy or things like that? That's kind of what he's thinking about. And mm -hmm. I think what, from Princeton's perspective, at least uh, these institutions are trying to, to step into. Now, one of the areas that's been, shall we say, competing with interest for crypto is artificial intelligence. As you are, you know, both recently in from a, an institution of higher education and also reporting on it, where are you seeing kind of like AI starting to attract some of the, the shininess that crypto would have been attracting, say, two years ago? Yeah, I think with ChatGPT, it's definitely brought it into into the mainstream. Like I, I was at Duke two years ago and there were a bunch of AI classes and I don't, I didn't see the level of excitement that I see now. Um, <laughs> People I, clicking the button really fast. Yeah. <laughs> But definitely as with crypto, the more and more these names start coming up in the media, the more, more interest there is from, from academics to kind of step in. And I think with AI, it's similar in a way where it still hasn't developed, I guess, the Or there are potentials to be controversial, mm -hmm. but they haven't really come into light as they did with crypto. But it, it would be interesting to see what these people are going to be thinking in two years. Totally. Definitely. <laughs> and definitely a lot of questions about ethics and societal exactly, harm. Exactly. So, well, Francesca, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Great thank to have you. Thank you so much. That was Bloomberg reporter Francesca Magliona. You can find more of her reporting in the Bloomberg Terminal and on Bloomberg.com. And be sure to check out our twice-weekly newsletter, Bloomberg Crypto. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A quick programming note for you. We're working on something new that expands on how we're covering crypto and the future of finance. And we'll be back soon to tell you more. Follow or subscribe to Bloomberg Cryptos to stay tuned for updates. We'll be bringing you info about what's next right here in this feed. In the meantime, get caught up on all of our Bloomberg iHeart podcasts, The Big Take Daily, Crash Course, and our narrative series, In Trust. To stay in touch with Bloomberg Crypto, you can find our coverage, as always, at Bloomberg.com crypto. The supervising producer of Bloomberg Crypto is Vicky Vergolina. Our senior producer is Janet Babin. Our producers are Mohamed Farouk and Sharon Bariro. Our associate producers are Ty Butler and Moses Undam. Desta Wonderad is our engineer. 
Original music by Leo Sidron. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael. We'll be back tomorrow. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal wherever you get your podcast, And watch on Bloomberg Originals, Bloomberg Television, or BTV+. Plus.